the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WTBN Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. Keep in mind, the Lord is still talking about our treasures. And his point is this, that those who have the right view of life, those who see the, the world the way it really is, those people and those people alone will choose to store up treasures in heaven. And they will have, therefore, a great understanding of God's truth and his values. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. That is a statement made by missionary Jim Elliott, who died reaching the Alka Indians for Jesus Christ. Jim Elliott's life was lived honorably, and he was known to have looked for God in everything he did. He gave his all in faith to the Alka people, and he cannot lose in the kingdom of heaven. Although this statement and circumstances involved reaching the lost, the principle of kingdom values rings loud and clear. Hello and welcome to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. He has been serving in that capacity for more than 27 years. Today, Pastor Steve starts the second part of a series of studies taken from Matthew, specifically the Sermon on the Mount. If you have your Bible ready, please turn to chapter 6 of Matthew, verse 23. We will be spending the next two classes evaluating kingdom values. Without further delay, here is Pastor Steve. One of the saddest verses in all the Bible, really, is a very brief statement by the Apostle Paul towards the end of his life, the very end. While awaiting execution by the Roman authorities, stuck in a prison cell in the city of Rome, Paul wrote Timothy about a man named Demas, who had at one time been one of his ministry colleagues. And here's what Paul told Timothy about Demas. He said, Demas, Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me. Now, I just find these very sad. I find these words heartbreaking because instead of having the support and the encouragement of his friends in his final days as he awaited execution, Paul found himself abandoned and forsaken by, by Demas. I, I find that terribly heartbreaking. Now, why would this man, who at one time stood with Paul, shared in the ministry of the gospel, at one time been very faithful to Christ, why would he forsake the apostle now in his greatest hour of need? Because, Paul said, he loved this present world. No other reason. He loved this present world. In other words, Demas walked away from Paul and the Lord simply because he chose to live for all that the world of his day had to offer. Its pleasures, its enjoyment, its money, all of that. All that goes along with that. Just walked away from Paul. Left him. Left him in Rome and in a dungeon. Do you know, Demas is not the only one who's ever allowed money, wealth, and possessions to distort, to distort his perspective on life and his commitment to Jesus Christ. Every believer 
in Christ has experienced the tug at his heart to be a materialist. Everyone, every one of us. And to live for the temporary pleasures of this world. Anyone who said, well, that doesn't bother me is is self-deceived or just plain out lying. Every one of us has experienced that temptation. Now, we may not have turned our backs on Christ and the gospel like Demas did, but we all know what it's like to be tempted to love the things of this world. We, We all know that. And that's why Jesus spoke so often about money and material issues. It may surprise you to learn that Jesus spoke more about issues related to money than he did about heaven and hell combined. Isn't that astounding? In fact, one out of every 10 verses in the four gospel accounts has to do with money and earthly treasures. One out of 10. I find that an amazing, amazing truth. One of those places in which Jesus addressed specifically the issue of money is Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24. I'd like you to turn there. We started looking at these verses last week. We just got into them a little bit. This is about our treasures in heaven versus our treasures on earth. And I want to read it to you again. Beginning at verse 19, Jesus said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust and destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Now, as we began to study this last week, we discovered that these verses actually start a, a new section in the Sermon on the Mount. Connected to the last section, but it starts a new section. Having already given instruction in the first part of this chapter about how we should conduct our lives in terms of our private religious life, giving, praying, fasting, Jesus said, do it in secret. Don't try to draw attention to yourself. Now the Lord... Now the Lord uses the rest of the chapter to explain how we should conduct ourselves and how we should handle ourselves relating to some public issues. First, private religious issues, now public issues that that we all face on a daily basis, specifically our attitude towards material possessions, which he calls treasures on earth, food, water, clothing, our wealth. And his message to us is not only should we be different from religious hypocrites in our private religious lives, but we also need to be different from secular unbelievers in our public lives, what we would call those secular things. And we need to be different from them by not worrying about whether we have enough things or not. Instead of being like unbelievers who make material items the whole pursuit of their lives, that's what they center their lives around, that's the focus of their lives We instead are told to trust God as our loving Heavenly Father to provide our needs and to make His kingdom and His righteousness our priority. In fact, that's what Jesus said as He sums this up, His message in verses 32 and 33 of chapter 6. For the Gentiles, He said, eagerly seek all these things, these material things He's talking about. For your Heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but... What he's saying, the but is, in contrast to how secular unbelievers are, here's how I want you to be. But you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, 
and all these things will be added to you. And then the last phrase there is don't worry about, about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough cares of its own. Don't worry about whether you'll have this or have that tomorrow. Now listen, none of us will ever have victory over worrying about anything unless we first have the right attitude. The right attitude and mindset towards the things of this world. That's where it begins, how we think. And that's what the passage in front of us is, is all about. It's, it's really, it's a passage that instructs us on having kingdom values. What the Lord does here is that before the Lord ever gives specific instruction about anxiety, which actually starts in verse 25, he first lays down some foundational truths about how to have victory over worry by telling us that we first need the right value system. We first need a kingdom value system, his value system. He calls that value system treasures in heaven. And that's why you'll notice in this passage that we're looking at, Jesus presents two value systems, not one. He presents the world's value system called treasures on earth and his kingdom's value system called treasures in heaven. And his purpose here is to convince us. This is a persuasive argument that Jesus uh, has. His purpose in presenting these two different value systems, very different, very distinct, is to convince us to live by his value system, his kingdom's system, and thereby to store up treasures in heaven rather than on the earth. And the way he does this, the way he sets out to convince us, is he gives us three reasons why Three reasons why our treasure should be stored in heaven rather than on earth. As I said, his goal is to persuade us. He doesn't just tell us the truth. He could have, but he's, but he's really arguing with us. He's really persuading us. He's really using even some common sense arguments. Now, last week we began to study this, and we really looked at the first reason why our treasure should be stored in heaven rather than on earth. And I'll not, I'll not go through all of this again. If you were not here last uh, weekend, I would encourage you to get the, the cassette tape or the CD on that. But I'm going to briefly, briefly review. He said this, the first reason why we should store treasures in heaven rather than on earth is because unlike treasures on earth, treasures in heaven will last forever. They're permanent. That's what verses 19 through 21 are about. And I won't, won't read it again, but that's what it's about. As we saw last week, by, by definition, an earthly treasure doesn't simply mean that, that you have investments or you own things. That's fine. But an earthly treasure is something that you cherish, something that you can't live without. It, it's an idol. It's not just a material possession. It could be a position. It could be status. It could be another person. It, it, it really means anything that has become so important to you that you can't do without it. As we said last week, anything that has become everything to you falls in the category of an earthly treasure. And the foolishness, Jesus is saying, about pouring your life into that and investing and focusing on that and pursuing that and storing it up in the sense of accumulating it is that it's all going to perish. It's so temporary. It's so fleeting. It's so momentary. I mean, this is, a, this is really a common sense argument. You don't even need to be a great businessman to figure this one out. Why pour your life into something that's going to fade away? In contrast to these short-term, momentary, fleeting treasures, Jesus commands us to store up treasures in heaven. The treasures in heaven are those things that have permanent value, eternal value. It means anything we do now in terms of our time, our energy, our possessions that have everlasting 
consequences, such as serving him, growing in him, helping other believers to grow in him, investing our time and, and our money in ministry, sharing the gospel with the unsaved, missionary endeavors, anything that's done with him in mind. So to store up treasures is really our, our Lord's commands, to store up treasures in heaven, and our Lord's commands, don't waste your life. Don't waste your life storing up treasures on earth, but rather invest your life, your time, your money, your possessions, your entire being in those things that really matter, those things that will count forever. Now, this makes perfect sense. This makes perfect sense. And yet reality will tell us that not everybody's going to embrace this. Even, even believers, they're, they're not all going to say, yes, I see it. It's, and and I, that's why I'm, I'm just going to do it. And the reason why we don't embrace this always is because verse 21 tells us the heart of the problem is our hearts. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Wherever your heart is, folks, that's where you're going to pour your treasure. That's what you're going to try to reach for. If it's on the earth, then this is the things you're going to love. You're going to live for the things of this world. If your heart is in the right place in terms of loving Christ and and fellowshipping with him, then you're going to live with eternal values in mind. It's as simple as that. It's a heart issue. You can't just hear this truth and go, okay, I'll change because Jesus said it, unless you have your heart in the right place. When your heart is in the right place with, with, under the authority of Christ as Lord of your life, then you will obey him. Even if it makes sense, you will not obey unless your heart is in the right place. And this brings us to the second reason that Jesus gave for choosing treasures in heaven over treasures on earth. First is because those treasures in heaven, unlike earthly ones, will last forever. But the second reason, the second reason is a little deeper than that and not quite as easy to to grasp. You have to kind of go beneath the surface to see it. It's not as obvious as the first one. The second reason that Jesus gave for choosing treasures in heaven over treasures on earth is, is because those who store up treasures in heaven have spiritual light and understanding rather than darkness, rather than spiritual darkness. Let me say that again. Those who store up treasures in heaven rather than treasures on, on earth have spiritual light and understanding rather than darkness. Now let me read verses 22 and 23 to you and you'll see what we're talking about as we explain this. Jesus said, the eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Now, just as the previous verses spoke about two types of treasures, an earthly one, a heavenly one, so these verses speak of two types of eye conditions, a clear, good eye, and an unhealthy, bad eye. Clear eye and a bad eye. Now, I realize that when you first read this, you go, what in the world is this talking about? It seems very confusing. And I'll admit that at first glance, it, it does seem to be a bit odd and worded differently, but it only, it only is, is that when we try to force it into a literal interpretation. This is not to be taken literally. This, these verses make perfect sense when we understand that Jesus was using the concept of eyes only to symbolize our perspective on life. Otherwise, if you try to force it, you're going to be confused. And let me explain. Jesus compared our eyes to lamps in the sense that just as a lamp brings light into a room, you turn a lamp on, light comes in. So our eyes are the vehicles by which light enters our bodies. 
See, our Lord's purpose isn't to give a perfect analogy between eyes and and lambs. It's just to make a very basic point of comparison. He's not speaking in scientific terms. He's not speaking in medical terms. He's just saying that, that eyes are like lamps in the sense that they illuminate the inside of us. For example, if you close your eyes, everything goes dark inside of you. If you open your eyes, then the light pours in. It's just a simple analogy, not to be taken to its extreme, about the function of eyes. And here's the real issue, the real issue that Jesus is teaching. The only way that light will shine brightly inside of us, and by light he means spiritual understanding and truth, is if our eyes are healthy. And that is precisely why Jesus said in verse 22, if your eye is clear, the whole body will be full of light. On the other hand, if there's something wrong with our eyes, some, some problem, some health issue, something unhealthy about our eyes, then the light will be hindered from entering our bodies and the result, Jesus said, will be darkness. And that's the point that he makes in verse 23. So the question is this, what does this analogy about eyes and light have to do with choosing treasures in heaven over treasures on earth? Because that's what he's really talking about. See, the Lord is using the concept of our eyes to speak of the way we look at the things of this world, the way we look at things. We would say our perspective. Jesus said our eyes, but we would say, we would use the language of it's our perspective. It's the way we see things. So if we have clear, healthy eyes and we see the things of this world as they really are, very temporary, very shallow, and then when we have that perspective, and we see things the way they really are, then Jesus said, you're going to have the light of God's truth permeating your lives. you'll, You'll have kingdom values. You'll see things the way God sees things. And then you'll have an understanding of spiritual truth. In other words, those with clear eyes will see things the way they really are. And as a result, their entire beings will be filled and lit up with spiritual enlightenment, understanding, and truth. On the other hand, He said those with bad, unhealthy eyes see the things of this world in a distorted way. They don't see reality the way it really is. They have blurred vision. As a result of this distortion, they, he said, will be filled with darkness, meaning that they will be spiritually blind to truth. They'll be spiritually blind to truth. Now, that's the point. Now, keep in mind, the Lord is still talking about our treasures, and his point is this, that those who have the right view of life, those who see the the world the way it really is, Those people and those people alone will choose to store up treasures in heaven. And they will have, therefore, a great understanding of God's truth and his values. The person who has a wrong view of life, that individual who is bent on storing up treasures on earth, will be in darkness and they will have no understanding or very little understanding of God's ways and his truths. So, listen, let me sum it up, what Jesus is saying. If you choose to be a materialist, you'll walk in spiritual darkness. It's as simple as that. All that to say that. If you choose to be a materialist, you'll walk in spiritual darkness. You're not a materialist, you won't walk in spiritual darkness. You'll walk in the light of God's truth. Now, I want to take this a step further because I believe that there's a deeper meaning to our Lord's words here that that really is not obvious in our English translations. The specific Greek word that is translated clear that's in my translation, says clear, for clear eyes, has a number of shades of meaning. And the context really determines it. It can mean healthy. It can mean healthy. It also can mean single in the sense of single-minded devotion. But one major way it's used in the Bible, and I believe this is how Jesus meant it here, this word can also mean generous, 
liberal, giving. That's, I believe that's the context here. And I also would, would say to you that this is the way it is often translated in the New Testament, the specific Greek word. In fact, I won't take the time to go through it, but in 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9, which is really all about money and material dealings, how the churches were to be very liberal, very giving, that's the word that's, that's used here. Every time in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 you, you read in your Bible about generosity or liberal that's this Greek word. In fact, James 1.5 uses, James in his, in his letter uses, in chapter 1, verse 5, uses this word to refer to God when he says, speaking of God, who gives to all generously. It's this Greek word, generously. Now, let me say this. Likewise, the word that is used for bad in the sense of a bad eye means literally an evil eye, means an evil eye. And in Jewish thinking, an evil eye was a very common expression used by the ancient rabbis to speak of stinginess and a lack of generosity. So there's no question in in my mind that this is really the thought here. Not just healthy, not just unhealthy, but healthy in the sense of generous, giving, storing treasures in heaven as we give ourselves a bad eye in the sense of not just unhealthy, but stingy. Stingy, no generosity, therefore accumulating treasures on earth for ourselves. Now, let me just back this up. For example, in Proverbs 28, 22, it says this, a man with an evil eye hastens after wealth. It's exactly, it's exactly. Now, now this is, in, uh, uh, this is that, that Jewish thinking of what an evil eye means. And I told you, an evil eye in, in the rabbi's views, because it's biblical, is about being stingy. Also, let me read this to you. Proverbs 23, verses 6 and 7. Very interesting. Proverbs 23, 6 and 7 say this. Do not eat the bread of a selfish man. Now, that word, a selfish man, man with an evil eye. It's a literal translation of a selfish man, an evil eye. Why shouldn't you eat the bread of a man with an evil eye? Except the writer says, or desire his delicacies, for as he thinks within himself, so is he. Okay, so how does he think? He says to you, eat and drink, but his heart's not with you. His heart's not with you. This is a greedy miser who the Bible tells us pretends to be generous. He says, come, eat with me. Eat my delicacies. Yes, enjoy what I have, but he resents it. He resents sharing them with you because he's really, in his heart, a cheap tightwad. He's only pretending to be generous. He's not. That's what the writer is saying. It's an evil eye. So when you put all this together, we really can can more fully understand what Jesus exactly is teaching here. What he's saying is that the effects of a materialistic view of life are far more serious than we might realize. Being a materialist affects all of your life. It's not an isolated area. It affects everything. Those with generous eyes, meaning giving people, People who share, people who give of themselves. We're not talking just about money. It's part of it, but we're talking about giving. Servants, those with generous eyes, will invest their lives in storing up treasures in heaven. And as a result, those people and those people alone will have great insight into biblical truth. We're talking about believers now. Because unbelievers would never do this anyway. This is for believers. We'll have great insight into biblical truth. They'll They'll understand biblical values. In other words, they'll have a godly perspective on life. 
because they'll see things as God sees things. Those with evil, stingy eyes will be takers. And there are some people like that. There are Christians like that who are takers. Everything is about them. They are self-absorbed, self-centered. They only live to, to accumulate earthly treasures for themselves. As a result of this, Jesus said, darkness will dwell in them. They will, they will never really understand life the way it should be understood because, because their values are not biblical values. In other words, a lack of generosity will lead to a distorted perspective on life. And you see this with some believers. You see this. They go to church. They listen to the message. They go out of church, and it's as if they never heard anything. They, they dichotomize church life and their secular life. It doesn't, doesn't have any impact on them. That's what we're talking about here. That is great insight, Pastor Steve. My toes hurt, but you speak in love. Friends, it was a pleasure to have you with us today for Verse by Verse. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff is taking us one verse at a time through the third chapter of Philippians. Pastor Steve has been serving for over 27 years at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. His expository messages come to your radio through the work of Verse by Verse Ministries. We are a faith ministry supported by the prayers and gifts of listeners who are first faithful to their own churches. Please tune in next time for the conclusion of this study on the two-value system. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's verse. We are here to give you strength between. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.